The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. In all of this, you'll see the details of your own story. The story of a life well-crafted. Welcome to the House of Roll. The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? It's time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. The traditional media and traditional partisan politicians on both sides of the aisle have been working overtime trying to inflame your passions this week. And all that televised fire, fury, and bedevilment just extends and intensifies the hyperpartisanship in both Washington and Sacramento that gets in the way of solving any of the vexing problems facing our nation and which increasingly discourages our children from wanting to participate in the political process and the political life of this country. My purpose is different. I've come to inform you, to give you information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events and to encourage you to act on that judgment. Before we begin talking about the numbers this week, as we usually do, we need to take a moment and remember an American hero. John McCain passed away at 5, it was 5.38 Pacific time when I got the first bulletin, and that was probably an hour after his actual passing. So I'd already written the script for today's show. So for a couple of minutes now, we're just going to talk about a man I had the great honor to meet on several occasions. Um, My longtime significant other served on the forest all with him, and there are lots of funny stories about what happens on aircraft carriers, and it should stay in that aircraft carrier in the sky. But John McCain was the last of a breed. Yes, he was a maverick. He believed wholeheartedly in what makes this country its best, striving, striving to be a more perfect union. We ain't there yet. We weren't there in 1789. We weren't there in 1865. We weren't there in 1968. We weren't there in 2000. We weren't there in, we aren't there in 2018. But He represented a breed of politician who felt that we needed to move forward toward that goal. He wasn't a perfect human being, but he was a man I admired. He wasn't perfect, and he also acknowledged that he was imperfect. He was quite capable of being really petty, but he was also quite capable of realizing he had been really petty and apologizing. He was a man who believed in working across the aisle. And I know in the last two days, I have read some horrible things on both Twitter and of all places in the Wall Street Journal comment section. And a lot of it revolves around a couple of different issues. 
One is his vote against uh, the so-called skinny version of Obamacare, his last, uh, one of his last votes in the United States Senate. And John McCain did not vote not to repeal Obamacare with a skinny Republican version that had been crammed together um, in a few weeks behind closed doors. He voted against that bill, not because he had come to believe that Obamacare was good legislation, but because he believed two wrongs don't make a right. He, as he said on the floor of the Senate two weeks after being told he had terminal cancer, it is time that we return as a Congress. It is time that you and I as citizens, demand regular order in the Congress, that that the repeal of Obamacare should have been the highest priority of a Republican Congress beginning in 2017 that began by holding hearings, by figuring out what worked and didn't work, what we could do better, why we had the issues with both Obamacare and the high cost of health care in this country in general. Hearings, experts, time. If you got it wrong the first time on a highly partisan vote that that has deeply divided the American people, then John McCain believed the second time around, we ought to take the time to get it right. Like me, or I should say, I'm, I'm honored uh, to say I agree philosophically Senator McCain, that great things do not happen in the back rooms of Congress, and they do not happen when only one party jams legislation through. Great change, lasting change happens when you have bipartisan compromise, when you create a framework of policy and legislation that can be built on and added to. Look at Social Security, for example. Passed on a bipartisan basis in 1935 is now a bedrock. It does need reform, yes, but it's a bedrock of American life and American politics. And that was John McCain's reason for opposing the so-called Republican light version of Obamacare, not to mention that it would have hurt hundreds of thousands of Arizonans. And in the final analysis, you are a representative of your people. But what makes John McCain so different is not just his war service, not just, as he said in his acceptance speech in 2008, in that Hanoi Hilton, in that dank, horrible prison, Um, beaten repeatedly, he fell in love with his country. He found a purpose larger than himself. And for the next almost 60 years, he pursued that promise. It says something about courage, compassion, patriotism, country over self, that the two men who John McCain has asked to eulogize him in at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And, and John McCain and Cindy worked on this funeral, these funeral arrangements in several months ago. The two men who he has asked to eulogize him are the two men he fought and, and lost 
to the highest prize he ever sought, the presidency of the United States. The two men who will eulogize John McCain are former presidents, Barack Obama and George W. Bush. And what more can you say about an American hero, about a man who put honor and country above self? What more can you say? I don't know. I I was incredibly privileged in 2008 because I was running for Congress myself and because I worked as um, in the McCain campaign as a surrogate, mainly on tax policy, actually. Um, but I was, and because I had friends um, who invited me to a couple of, of very special private events. So I had the opportunity to sit in a room with him with about 15 people several times and to be absolutely struck by how, not just how smart, um, how funny he was, but how humble, how he kind of walked in with no handlers, no retween. And while he was chatting with his host, reached behind himself, grabbed a paper cup, poured his own coffee, and then looked for the Splenda, all while not missing a beat. So I will miss John McCain. I will miss a man with the courage to stand for his convictions, to put country first, to work across the aisle, to be the kind of politician, a leader that we desperately need in these troubled times. And we'll be back in just a moment to talk about This Week by the Numbers. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org, reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with the Reimagine America Radio Hour. And just before we do turn to what happened by the numbers this week, and there certainly was a lot, let's take just a moment more on the McCain subject because it, it, it illuminates a larger issue. Um, I was truly shocked by some of the venom, I mean the toxic venom that people expressed, um, almost irrational. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that, you know, a specific issue. It was, it was just this <sighs> explosion of green whatever um, on, on Twitter, of all places in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, if there was a guy who believed in small government, limited government, minimal reg- regulation, um, and and the free enterprise system, it was John McCain. So I, I was truly horrified to read some of the comments. So I'm going to remind you all, and and I I'm reminded of this by the fact I was at a at a concert last night, and uh, and um, there were some people sitting behind us who were really out of out of control, shall we say, a little too much wine, um, and and were really rude, and people around me were commenting about how selfish people have become in this country, where they say, well, I bought my ticket so I can do anything I want, regardless of the fact that the rest of us had also bought our tickets and wanted to enjoy the performer. Um, and And that is, ladies and gentlemen, it's something you tell your children every day. At this moment, as the McCain family, his seven natural and adopted children, um, and, and his wife, Cindy, and his former wife, Carol, mourn his passing. 
I'm reminded of the old adage that says, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And on that note, in the numbers this week, or should I say, before we turn to the numbers this week, you can tell we're a little off script today. Uh, And some of you out there may have feelings about Senator McCain's passing um, as well that you'd like to share. So you're welcome to give us a buzz and um, share your thoughts on the senator's passing as we move forward with the program this morning. And now to the numbers. It wasn't a good week for the president's friends. Eight guilty verdicts, which, but for one juror, could have been 18 guilty verdicts. Um, I don't know if that was a little bit of piling on, but eight is enough. And eight guilty pleas from, and that doesn't count uh, what the state of New York's inquiry into the same tax evasion and um, irregularities in elections will add. There were two immunity deals, and that's important. And thousands of pages of evidence were submitted to a judge in Washington, D.C. for the second Manafort trial. Hmm. You know, I had a thought as I was listening to um, the 16 guilty, guilty, guilties of principally of tax evasion and bank fraud. So I looked up the number. Do you understand that only 10% of FBI resources are devoted to white collar crime? 10%. We're going to talk about that. I I think there's room for improvement that would improve the Treasury of the United States. There were 84 in the last two years, 84 unauthorized websites created that used Microsoft in their title um, as a way for Russian hackers to get um, into American uh, computers. Um, and Microsoft has now taken to a posture of defending themselves. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And zero. Zero is now the number of, of Russian intelligence sources that are still talking to U.S. intelligence um, in advance of the November elections. And that's a subject for concern. And two. That's now the number of Republican Congress members who are claiming um, Trump-appointed Republican U.S. attorneys are conducting political witch hunts. Coincidentally, these were the first two congressmen to endorse uh, President, um, uh, then-candidate Trump. And last but not least, 67, the number 67. Remember that number, because that's the number of senators you need to impeach a president. We'll get to that in just a moment, why that's important. So until this week, uh, until this week, I didn't realize that tax evasion was a popular sport among the rich and famous. I mean, I thought they were subject to more scrutiny than you and I. You mean, you know, I, I, I... we we all we all try to interpret the rules in the way that is best for us, right? But um, I didn't realize how widespread that you know tax evasion was going to be. But then I remembered, uh, you know what? Al Capone was probably 
one of the greatest mass murderers in the history of the United States. But you know what sent him to Alcatraz? Wasn't murder. Was tax evasion. But given the rapidity, how quickly the Mueller team uncovered the initial Manafort issues around um, taxes and bank fraud and um, and that these were the veterans of the Enron scandal. So they knew exactly how to go look at the cooked books. These were not really very clever criminals who knew how to fool the experts. It's that the FBI, it's, it's that the Internal Revenue Service wasn't devoting the time and attention to identifying tax cheating on a large scale among the 1%. And you and I should be ballistically angry about that. I Personally, I think it should be a policy at the IRS because, you know, that the fact that we all do our taxes electronically, that we use TurboTax or we use, you know, a, a tax preparer or whatever, um, means that you've got agents who now don't have to look over our returns because we have computers that do that. Um, but I think if you have a million-dollar net taxable income, that your return should be examined by a IRS specialist at just pro forma. I mean, we've yet to see any of President Trump's tax returns because supposedly they are under audit. But who was auditing the big banks in 2007 and 2006 and identifying in 2008? Nobody. So I think it's a matter Congress ought to be looking at urgently and that we should be reminding them when you go to a town hall or you talk to your congressman or whatever, um, we should we should be demanding uh, an inquiry into why the IRS is not more putting human eyes on tax returns of really wealthy people. I think that's really important. And the fact that these guys did it year after year, that both Cohn and Manafort and Gates as well, that these guys are all serial offenders who got away with it, who if it were not for the Mueller investigation would probably have gotten away with it. It's an issue which Congress should address immediately upon their return to the to the Capitol um, after Labor Day and find out why the IRS is not more thorough in a, in auditing and following up on multiple year tax returns for multiple millions of dollars. The Treasury needs the money and fairness. You know, you and I pay our taxes. Honestly, we should expect other people to do the same thing. And just in the last minute before we go to break, let's talk about two grants of immunity. People get grants of immunity um, not because they're good guys. It's an admission that you did something bad. Okay, but because they think the prosecutor thinks that your cooperation has more value. So when it comes to collusion between the National Enquirer and the Trump campaign, will we find that 16 or 20 negative cover stories about Hillary Clinton in the months leading up to the election were, in fact, a campaign contribution? You know, I have to say, I, I would, I would on the surface, it looks like a yes, but I'd question the value of that because, you know, if you have to put a monetary value on it, because I can't believe that people really believe what they read in the National Enquirer. And on that note, 
We're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back. And if you're just joining us, we did spend a moment talking about John McCain, and we've been talking about guilty verdicts for tax evasion, the crime of the year. And I guess um, Antonio is with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, uh, I was looking at this issue about Manafort conviction, and uh, it happens that uh, Manafort was doing these deals with the previous Ukrainian government, which was uh, some two, more than two years ago, and that was during the Obama administration. But there was no indictment of Manafort during those years. And if, if uh, Clinton, Clinton had won the, the election, Manafort would still be doing the same, the same deals that he was doing before, tax evasion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what we see here is that the, the Clinton and Obama has staffed the judicial system with they, their judges who are bringing all kinds of cases, uh, legitimate and not legitimate, to undermine the, the Trump administration. That's very evident in all levels, in all categories. You look at the immigration or whatever. And not to mention the, 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 the bunch of uh, uh, Republicans who also are undermining Trump's administration. One of them died yesterday. He was the, the, the main uh, Trump's enemy. So uh, that, that, that's what we have. And that's why all this uh, this uh, about the about the, the the indictments here and there and the others. And uh, but uh, what what happened with Mueller uh, collusion with the Russians? That's not not even in any of these cases. Nothing. Well, nobody is going to disagree with you that uh, tax evasion should have been caught earlier. I think I made that pretty clear in the last segment. I think that's an issue that uh, the House Oversight Committee ought to be looking at calling in the FBI commissioner, the FBI, I'm sorry, the IRS commissioner and discussing um, with the IRS why it is that they do not do 100% physical audit on any tax return with an adjusted gross income over a million dollars. Okay, so I think Mueller actually, in the long run, may have done the country a service if Republicans, if the Republican-controlled committee can get out of its own way and work with the IRS to strengthen um, the audit controls that would have caught Manafort and Cohn years ago. All right, that's that's all well and fine. I mean, again, the prosecutors who are working on the Mueller investigation are the same people who got um, who saved California's bacon in the Enron scandal years ago, and it was taxes. And as I said, what they got Al Capone for finally was tax evasion. It, it's a crime that leads, it's the crime that nobody gets away with. Okay, I'm not going to defend the actions or the failure of the of the huge administration. I mean, you listen often enough, you know how I feel about the size of the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. and around the country. And you've got this huge bureaucracy. And when it comes down to brass tacks, the big guys 
you know, the guys who are really committing major tax whatever, you know, you and I worry about, oh, I'm like, did I did I give myself a $100 present? Um, and how I calculated something that the big guys get away with uh, a, a lot that the rest of us don't. Um, and there um, there's a book by Stephen Brill um, out right now um, that I just finished reading that talks about the moats, including the bureaucratic moats that have been created that protect people like um, Manafort and Cohn uh, and probably a whole lot of others um, uh, behind um, behind a cloak of too big to fail. But John McCain was not was not Donald Trump's enemy. Donald Trump, number one, Donald Trump started the um, the argument. But John McCain believed in a different kind of America. John McCain believed in an America that led on the world stage. John McCain believed in having the fight if the fight was worth having in an honorable way and moving on. Okay, uh, President Trump doesn't do that, you know, and, and that's not good for us as a nation. We work together well. We, we make progress when we work together well. And working together does not always mean agreeing. You know, um, I think Andy Grove put it well. There are three choices. You can agree and commit. You can disagree and commit. Or you can leave. And those are the three choices that I think you're faced with when you're trying to create legislation. And the best legislation, the best law, the best government in this country historically has been government by, by both parties. It has been bipartisan compromise on the major issues of the day. And I would be the first person to applaud the president for taking that those steps. But in the meantime, um, I think that Mueller, Mueller, regardless of the Russian issues, which we've yet to see wrapped up, uh, did the country a favor by exposing the extent to which the IRS fails to do its basic job in making sure we all pay our taxes on time and accurately. And Antonio, thanks for the call. And we're going to run along because I've got a couple moments, words to say about Jeff Sessions before we go to commercial. And we got about a minute and a half. So thank you for your time. So let's talk about Jeff Sessions, who took a heck of a beating from the president this week. And so let me say real quickly, because we're running out of time. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions is the absolute last person that I would ever want to applaud the nomination uh, of as the attorney general of the United States. Okay, his legal mindset belongs in the first half of the 20th century. But the president's not being fair to to attorney general Sessions. The attorney general is the nation's, the country's top law enforcement officer, not the president's. He's not the MAGA attorney. He's the national attorney. And and to the issue of is he fair to both sides, as Antonio was just uh, alluding to, um, Jeff Sessions has done the following things. He opened an investigation of how the Hillary 
email investigation was handled. And what the inspector general, who both sides of the aisle said they respect, found no irregularities in how the case was investigated or the conclusions to which the prosecutors at Maine Justice came. That means President Trump, sometimes there's no there there, even when you want there to be something there. Okay, can't make it up out of whole cloth. And that's the nature of how a country that lives under law functions. And 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 Attorney General Sessions did fire Andrew McCabe and he referred his case for possible prosecution by the Department of Justice. And we await the department's investigation. Sessions put enough pressure on the FBI to ensure that Peter Strzok didn't get a suspension. He got fired. And the FBI does have an invest an active investigation into the Clinton Foundation underway. It doesn't get a lot of publicity. That's exactly the way the FBI likes to work because it's being run out of the Little Rock, Arkansas office. So they're looking under the rocks and you and I need to be a little patient. And Robert Mueller's team found enough evidence against Tony Podesta, the brother of Hillary's campaign manager, John, to forward his case to the Southern District of New York for potential prosecution. It's not so one-sided. The Podesta brothers' K Street lobbying business is out of business. The uh, Podesta was a partner of Manafort's in Ukraine, and he's probably going to follow Manafort down to that lovely, luxurious federal penitentiary in Pennsylvania. Bernie Madoff's soon going to have a lot of company. They should have a great bridge game going early next year. And we'll be back in just a moment with a little more. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. And we're back. Um, and again, if you're just tuning in and you want to know about, um, we, we spoke briefly about the McCain, uh, about John McCain's death. We spoke briefly about um, the uh, tax evasion uh, guilty pleas this week. And we talked briefly about what Jeff Sessions actually is doing to investigate wrongdoing at both the FBI and the Clinton Foundation. And we have an, we have Vince has something he wants to add. Well, I really appreciate uh, your sentiments about John McCain. And um, I'm uh, a little concerned about um, the reactions to his passing and what you said about um, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. I, I agree with that. And um, apparently you can't even say something nice, though. And get away with it. I don't know if you saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweet about John McCain, but she tweeted a very, very uh, respectful sentiment about him. She said, John McCain's legacy represents an unparalleled example of human decency and American service. As an intern, I learned a lot about the power of humanity and government through his deep friendship with Senator Kennedy. He meant so much to so many. My prayers are with his family. And she got absolutely raked over the coals by her uh, her base, who told her she shouldn't even say anything. It's almost as if, even if you can say something nice, don't say it anyway, because he's the enemy. And it's this hyper-partisanship that really just, it's completely out of control, where somebody can't even just 
give their condolences for the passing of somebody. And, and on top of that, a lot of these people that are giving their condolences feel like they have to preface it by saying, well, we didn't agree on everything, but I mean, it, it to me, it's like some of that should be understood. Like, obviously, Barack Obama, we know you didn't agree with John McCain. Just pay your respects. You know, we're human. We all have our differences. And, and, and I just feel like if someone needs uh, that clarification in, in order to approve of somebody's message of regret over the passing of anyone, I think that's their problem. Uh, mortality should should transcend politics. And I really have have pity on those who are, are, are diluted by such narrow minded thinking. Well, I think you're right. Um, and I think it's a major problem in this country. Um, we are historically a nation of compassion, a nation that respects service over self, and a nation that's able to hold its heroes in its arms when most they and their families need it. And so, um, you know, Miss Cortez's uh, tweet was, uh, you know, I'm the the political animal in me is going to say, well, that was a little cynical, um, you know, a little get my seconds of attention. But still, I'm sure she meant what she said, because I, I do believe that Senator McCain was a respected figure in American life. He was the lion of the Senate, as was his friend and a predecessor in this terrible disease, um, you know, Senator Ted Kennedy. And and by the way, both of them were imperfect human beings who overcame their imperfections, who actually were quite good friends. And, you know, in the crucible of battle, bonds are formed. There's a very famous clip of the 2008 campaign in which a woman, you know, uh, said that Obama was a uh, an Arab and she couldn't trust him. And McCain took the microphone back and said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's a, he's an honest, honorable man, a family man, an American citizen. And we may have distinct policy differences, but that doesn't make us enemies. I don't think anybody in American life, I don't think our children benefit from all of this hostility toward one another. The uh, lost capacity to appreciate someone's different opinion from your own without impugning the motives or the or the uh, integrity or the humanity of that person. So, you know, I completely agree with you, Vince, and that's one of the reasons we have this weekly meeting, you and I, uh, is that I worry. I'm, I'm more than a bit concerned. Half of millennials don't think democracy is important. That's a very frightening number. If we want to keep this republic, that means each and every one of us needs to look to the senator's example that says, speak out, fight the good fight. If you lose, you try to get the best deal you can. And you soldier on knowing that in a moment of crisis, we have no one to turn to but each other. And one other little point that I think we need to consider at this moment, whether you're on the right or on the left, you have to stop thinking first, first, am I an American? 
And if I am, then I need to think about country first, because the people who benefit from this kind of intense and irrational political infighting are our enemies, are the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians and the North Koreans who pay attention to the kind of discord that's going on in this country. So if you want, if you want the America that I think you want, that we both want, that all of us should want, that we pray our children will inherit, then we have to get over focusing on our differences and focus on what unites us. And last but not least, I'm a daughter. I've lost my parents. At that moment, the last thing I needed to hear, and thankfully I didn't hear too much of it, were negative things about them. Cindy McCain and her and the the senator's seven children are in an enormous amount of pain right now. It is not our job, whether you're on the right or the left of American politics, to add to their sorrow. It is our responsibility as a, as a nation to pick up, to hold in our arms the families of our fallen. And John McCain died in service to his country. That's why they call it the John S. Ken- McCain. John Kennedy did die, but that's why they call it the John S. McCain Defense Authorization Act. Let's call it, it's the National Defense Act. Let's call it what it really is called, whether or not President Trump can get it, get those words out of his mouth. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with just a few closing thoughts. Because I teased you about it. You know, we've heard the word impeachment thrown around a lot this week. The minute that, you know, this FEC um, thing came up, we started to hear, oh, breathless. Oh, you know, is this going to be the moment that we impeach him? No, we're not. Okay. And here's the reason. You know, you need 67 senators. I mean, the House, even if the House flipped and they were to vote articles of impeachment, we've been down this road before. You need 67 senators to convict. And at this moment, that is not possible. It's not conceivable. It's not thinkable. It's not any of those things. So let's put it aside. Let's let... Mr. Mueller, do his thing. Um, let's then focus our concerns as a people on this election around the issues that matter to us. Fixing health care, fixing roads, an infrastructure program that we were promised and has not happened. Uh, those are the issues that you want. An immigration reform, at least a DACA fix and a down payment on significant immigration reform that is not uh, does not hold poor murder victims up uh, as political pawns and cause another family pain. Let's focus on those issues. Let's make sure our our elected representatives know what our priorities are. And let's put all this other stuff, leave it in the hands of the courts I, you know, I, for one, believe we have a reasonably independent judiciary uh, and they are main and there are enough conservatives on that on those courts to get uh, to take care of it. 
Um, and in the couple of minutes that we have remaining, I do have to say that uh, when it comes to representing us, um, Duncan Hunter's indictment this week on 60 charges of misusing his campaign funds um, really did take the cake. Um, you know, in Congress, when they speak to one another in an almost specious way, they refer to each other as gentlemen and gentlewomen. Well, Duncan Hunter, it is not being a gentleman to throw your wife under the bus, proverbially or literally. And last but not la- least, we are we face two indicted Republican congressmen who were both up on ethics charges. Why was that not an issue brought to the fore by House leadership who should have dissuaded them from running for re-election and protecting these two safe seats that are now in jeopardy? So, Kevin McCarthy, I feel your pain, but here's the advice I'd give you. It's time to change the ethics rules in the House of Representatives to be at least as tough as the Senate's, if not tougher. And on that note, I know what interests me. But I think it's more important what interests you. So if you've got questions, if you've got issues that you want to see addressed on the air, send me an email at Joyce at reimagineamerica.org. And I do try to respond to as many listener comments as possible. I apologize lately. I've not been doing much of that because uh, we've had such an issue with that Russian intrusion. Um, There were thousands of pieces of malware and wow it's amazing how fast a bot can just you know so it's been a cleanup job um but we will be back uh, live on content uh new content there'll be a piece up about impeachment um on monday on the homepage, and there will be a whole new site in about two weeks and in the meantime Reimagine America is independent and nonprofit. If you appreciate our independent, results-oriented, post-political voice, please consider making a small donation at reimagineamerica.org. And in the meantime, have a wonderful Sunday and a great week. And to Senator McCain, smooth seas and fair winds. And a wonderful equator crossing party on that forest all in the sky. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. Together, we can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.